Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker, All the Games. This is episode 39, where we will discuss Dramaha 49. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the Northeast of the United States, along with co-host Martin, who joins us from Malta. Since Martin and I share a fondness for mixed poker games, each of us has written a book on mixed game poker, and we also enjoy trying new beers. We'll be starting off today's show as we do with each episode, with me reviewing a beer from the United States and Martin bringing us one from Europe. So sit back, grab a beer, as long as you're not driving, and enjoy our beer review and subsequent discussion of mixed poker games. So seeing that it's fall, the fall season, I reviewed an Oktoberfest recently. Today I'm going to be reviewing a Munich Dunkel. So I know this sounds European and German, but <laughs> it's actually made here in the U.S. by Sam Adams Brewery. Um, but it's the time of year for this type of beer. And just as a heads up, I will be reviewing um some pumpkin beers uh, in the near future. But today I have a Sam Adams Flannel Fest Munich Dunkel. So let's have a look. No, a smell. Sorry. I always smell first because the aroma goes away. Let's have a smell. Oh, so such a wonderful smell. This is I'm getting notes of uh, toasted bread and caramel, typical of a, a Munich Dunkel beer. Um, a little bit of uh, a little bit of hop aroma, not a lot of hops in a dunkel, but there is some hop uh, bitterness, uh, floralness coming through. So now let's have a look. Nice, beautiful, just completely clear, wonderful clarity on this beer. A nice head of uh, amber foam coming from the amber, golden amber color. It's dark. Um, but you can kind of see, you could read read through the other side with enough light on the back. Beautiful looking. Smells wonderful. Looks great. Let's have a taste. Getting some maltiness, uh, that toasted bread and caramel, a little sweetness, a little bit of floralness. It's just a lot of these beers, the, the taste and nose are very similar. You get some of the floral in the flavor, a lot of caramel and uh, bready kind of notes, which is just standard for a uh, Munich Dunkel. And I'll have to find out how they call this a Munich Dunkel. So there's, if they brew it with somebody in Munich, but the thing is, so when we brew beers here in the US, for example, if we brew a Pilsner, we're not allowed to call it a Pilsner. We have to call it Pilsner style or something along those lines, German style. Um, but this one they just call kind of Munich Dunkel, which is which is interesting. But wonderful beer. This one uh, is coming in at 5.2%. 
So nice and easy. The one nice, easy drinker. The one thing I do want to mention, they call this a flannel fest and the can is like a flannel shirt. And when I got it, when I saw it on the store shelf, all I thought was Harpoon up in uh, Massachusetts and Vermont has something they call flannel Fridays. Um, and I just saw this beer and I thought, are they trying to rip off um, Harpoon's sort of flannel Friday gig? And they're both, you know, Sam Adams has their main brewery up in Massachusetts. So they are both close ish to each other. But, you know, let them let them uh, hamper that out and uh, we'll just sit back and enjoy some beers. I'm going to sit back and keep sipping on this one. Martin, which beer are you bringing us from Europe today? Um, first of all, apologies for my two dogs that are getting very excited now. I don't know if you can hear the barking in the background, but. Uh, they've heard something outside and uh, and it sent them a bit crazy. I think they're calming down now. Um, this beer, I don't know. I think maybe they, they, they heard me. They heard me talking yeah. about beer and they got thirsty. But <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Martin, sorry. Well, I'm not going to let them neck anywhere near this one because this one's eight percent ABV. Might be too much for their little uh, constitutions. The two little shits we're talking about. Um, but this beer, I don't know much about. All the, all, all the printing on the bottle is in French. It's a French beer called La Bette. B-E-T-E. -E, with a, some kind of a, an accent over the E. So I'm sure that I pronounced that incorrectly. And I apologize. Pardon to all the French listeners. Um, as I say, it's 8% in volume. Uh, it's out. It's mid-dark mid in colour. Are those dogs really get really causing distraction, Sean? It's quite. I don't know what they've heard, but they're, they're quite excitable. No, it's no. Nope, I'm not sure the listeners can hear anything. Um, I barely hear anything, honestly. So yeah, don't 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 worry about it. Okay, okay. Back to the beer. Okay, it's kind of mid dark in color. Um, sort of a reddish orangey tint to it with a an off white head. Uh, I can't. I cannot articulate the smell in the in a wonderful way that you do, Sean. That was a really very impressive description of that beer that you've just drunk. Um, but it's it smells good. Uh, I'm gonna have a taste now. Okay, yeah, it's it's a strong flavor as you'd expect with an eight point eight percent ABV beer. Um, a little bit reminiscent of a. Golden ale style, I think, uh, but they're not usually as strong as this. That's a good flavour some beer. It's actually reminiscent to some Belgian beers as well, I would say. I don't think it's a wheat beer, but it does have some characteristics like that. Anyway, um, enjoying. Cheers, Sean. Salute, Martin. Sounds like uh, you might have to learn some French. And you, what else? I'm trying to think. You've brought us a number of... Uh, beers with some foreign <laughs> writing on it. We're going to have to bring a translator in. <laughs> yeah, looking three or four episodes ahead, I'm, I'm hoping to bring something back from Slovakia when I go to a poker festival in Bratislava. So, yeah, multilingual is uh, is a challenge. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm up to it, but I'll, I'll try to learn how to pronounce whatever I bring back greatly anyway. We, uh, that's all right. We, we may not be able to read or, or comprehend the writing on the side of the bottle or can, but uh, the, the taste is what re is what we're really going for. And uh, that rings true no matter, no matter what language you speak. 
Yes, it's good good beer anyway. Remember that our focus here is non-hold'em poker. Specifically, for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and or those looking to try different variations of poker, whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager. We define the rules, the play, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. You can consider this Sean and Martin's Rules of Mixed Poker Games. Today's episode will be covering Draw Maha 49. So that's Draw Maha with a W, D-R-A-W-M-A-H-A 49. So Martin, why don't you walk us through the play and deal of Draw Maha 49? Yes, of course. Um, this is a game that I've played in the Resorts World Mix coaches game uh, as a fixed limit game. Um, and also... It's played quite often in mixed games poker here in Europe as a pot limit game. It's a variation of Sweet and Special. So, I mean, the, the names Dromaha and Sweet and Special are interchangeable, I think. Basically, two different names for the same game. Um, and, as, and as in other, in all other variants of this, there are two pots, one of which is a five-card Omaha pot, where you'll use two cards from your hand and three from the board. And then the other half of the pot is awarded to, related to the contents of your hand only, with no uh, relation to what's on the board. Uh, but I'll come, on to, I'll come down to the showdown at the end of the uh, description of the way that the game's dealt and played. So, as I said, we play pot limit in Europe, and I've seen it played fixed limit in the US. So, yeah, I, I enjoy both variants. So, Take your pick. The two players to the left of the blinds, of the sorry, of the dealer button, will pose blinds um, to get us started. The, the dealer will then pitch five cards face down to each player at the table, uh, starting to the left of the dealer button and proceeding in a clockwise direction. One cards come out one at a time until uh, each player has five cards. After that process, there's a round of betting. That started with the person to the left of the blinds and continues until everybody who stays in the hand has invested the same amount of money. We then see a flop. Um, it's common for snitting games to be played without a burn card, but it's not completely unusual. In some, some card rooms, the deal, dealer does burn a card. So either the dealer burns a card or doesn't according to local rules and then lays out three cards face up in the middle of the table. These are community cards that everyone shares and uh, will use in combination with the cards in their hand. There's another round of betting, and that starts with the person to the left of the dealer button now. Once that round of betting is over, the, deal, the, the players now have a chance to change cards. They can change any number of cards from one up to five, or even stand pat. Uh, which means they won't draw any cards. The dealer will wait until all the players that are active or still have cards in their hand have declared what cards they're going to discard. And then once that's happened, we'll start to replace the cards starting to the left of the dealer button, with the first player to the left of the dealer button. If the person takes exactly one card, the dealer will offer the card face up and the person will have the chance to say yes or no. To that card 
If they say yes, they pick it up and keep it in their hand. If they say no, the dealer takes it back and puts it in the muck and replaces the card with the next card on the top of the deck, this time face down for the person to take into their hand. So this proceeds around with all the players that, have, and, and that need cards replacing. Once that's happened, the dealer then puts the next card from the deck out to the right of the three community cards that are already out there, face up, and this is the turn card. There's then a round of betting, followed by the dealer now placing a river card to the right of the turn card, face up, and a final round of betting. We then get to showdown. As normal, the Omaha half of the pot is won by the person with the five-card hand, the strongest five-card hand that comprises two from their hand and three from the five community cards on the board. The other half of the pot in this variation of the game is awarded to the person with the highest number of points in their hand. Basically, we're counting the pips on the cards. So a 10 contains 10 pips. So that's 10 points for that, for holding a 10. And a 9 is 9 points. 8 is 8 points. Going down to 1, which is 1 point. Sorry, the ace is 1 point. And then the jack, queen and king are all 0 points. And the, the highest point total in, in a player's hand wins that half of the pot. So 49 is the maximum. That's that's why the name of the game is 49. I've never seen that happen, that anybody will be dealt four tens and a nine in their hand to get the maximum score. But I guess if we play enough hands, we'll see that at some point. Uh, yeah, so that's an overview of the rules, Sean. Any questions at this point? Just a kind of refresher for everybody. So Martin mentioned this is called Dramaha, also known as Svitten Special. For the basic rules of that, the, the base game of this, uh, you can check out episode 21. And then we also talked about another version of this game, Dramaha Zero, in episode 29, if you want to listen to those. But just to reiterate for everyone here, so 10s are worth 10 and nines are nine for example all the way down to deuce and then an ace is one but jack queen and king are zeros right if you're coming from the blackjack realm or sort and which might be burned into some of our brains we might think of you know even hold them etc we might think of jack queen king as tens for example so it's important yeah. to remember that they're zero yeah don't let that catch your out players <laughs> so that, that that i think is something that could sort of uh, trip some trip some folks up but i guess let's get into some strategy and then we'll uh we'll go from there if you have some beginner's tips for us okay uh i do first of all don't be the mug who sees a flop with a point with, with a low points total hand and then flops something strong and overplays that flopped omaha hand uh leaving themselves vulnerable to being scooped by somebody else who's almost free-rolling with a much bigger points total and a draw in the hand. For example, I've seen this one, this this happen with a pretty good poker player. The flop comes 7-4-3, and that person's holding 6-5. And... Uh, 
somebody else leads the betting and then that person repots because they've got the, the nuts on the board. Uh, they ended up getting all in on the flop against someone with a set of sevens and a high points total. So, I mean, just, just looking at those two, uh, what, what cards we know about already, one person has two sevens making 14 points to add to the other three cards in their hand. One person has six five making 11 points to add to the other three cards in their hand. But the person with six five went on to draw three cards. So they've got a hell of a job to catch up with the other person who drew one card. Um, and obviously already had a very high points total with two sevens and two higher cards than seven. Probably, I can't remember exactly, but maybe 10 eight or nine eight or something. Um so the end of the person with six five ended up in at the wrong end of a free roll. Um and and and, and lost a ridiculous number of big blinds, really. Um, when you consider the fact that if you play it more cautiously, you can uh, get away from the hand later on when the board pairs. Um, and you, you you're not getting people to fold. Even another person with six five is likely to have a better points total when you're drawing three. Uh, so if you understood that, you you probably shouldn't be seeing the flop very often with a low points total. But if you do, let's say in the big blinds, in the big blind, and you flop really strong, be wary about putting too much money in because even though you feel like your overhand is really strong already, it's no fun to be uh, on the wrong end of a free roll and hope that you hang on for half of the pot. Um, so, yeah, quickly before you go on, in that situation, you, you would just call there and see, you're saying repotting is the, the wrong play and maybe a call would be a better play? Just get get the call in? Or, it, or fold? Even, I, mean, I don't know. But it, even folding is actually not such a crazy thing to do because... Uh, You've, you've got a mountain to climb to beat the points total of somebody if you're having to draw three cards. Um, but if you're facing one, you know, even even in pot limit game, if you're facing only one bet and you feel like you can get to the draw without having to pay more than that, so, you know, be wary of people behind you that might want to re-raise, then uh, you know, maybe don't fold, but, but yes, definitely just call and uh, try to improve somehow improve your uh, points total on the, the draw and also get a read for the other player and where they're at based on what they draw. Okay, yeah, good. So repotting is definitely the wrong play and then calling or folding would depend on a lot on the players behind. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Got, yep. What else do you also, have for us? Yeah, just a couple of other strategy tips. One is... Try to play hands, especially in early position, where you are drawing only one card or probably two cards maximum. Um, I mean, if you're playing maybe three or four handed, you could get away with, with, with something a bit looser. But uh, with five, six, seven players at the table, usually the, the people that are sitting there with a reasonable points total that are going to, uh, quite often they're going to apply pressure and make you pay to go, go any further. Um and the last, the last tip is be wary of the absence of tens in your hand. So even if you feel like you've got a high points total with something like, let's say you've got nine, two eights, a seven, and a six, that's 
37 points. Usually that's going to be a winning points total. But usually 37 points is going to be a winning points total. But you don't have any 10s in your hand. So if somebody, if the 10s are in somebody else's hand, it's quite likely that they're going to be beating 37 points, uh, especially if they're drawing only one card. Um, yeah, so a 37-point hand where you where you have a 10 in your hand, to me, is stronger than a 37-point hand where you don't. Do you understand that? It's, uh, it's about blockers. Uh, another thing is, it, but from the other the other point of view, if you see a ten or two on the flop, then there's blockers there. So thirty seven points is again strong, but if if the flop is say king king three, and you're holding thirty seven points, the the, uh, the the likelihood of somebody having thirty seven points beaten is increased. I did uh, at one point do an exercise where I looked at the, the, the relative strength of the showdown hands that you like to get. And if you have 38 points or better, you're about 96% chance of being the best point total, I think. Although I have seen or I've heard of a hand where 42 points was beaten once. That's so rare. But yeah, 96% is not 100%. So rare. <laughs> those rare occurrences do happen. But uh, if you can get to 38 points or better, you can usually stay to the end of the hand, uh, even if you don't connect with the board. Another point to make, by the way, is when you play Omaha, quite often, if you're wanting to draw to a flush, you're wanting to draw to an ace flush. But in this variant, it's, if you draw to a 10 high flush and have a high points total, quite often that's going to be a scooper because people don't tend to hold on to those ace, king, queen, jack cards too often. And if they do, well, they're only going to win the Omaha hand. And even then, you know, you might, if the flush doesn't come in, you might win the Omaha hand with some other combination connecting with the board. So, uh, yeah, draw to the 10 high flushes, uh, but with the caveat, have a good points total. So given that last tip there, if, for example, you have the ace of the suit in your hand pre-draw, I mean, it'd be easy enough to get rid of that, right? So even if you contain it, you know you had the ace. So if your suits come, you know that's not going to win the Omaha side. And it's also probably not going to be beneficial to winning the uh, pip 49 side of the pot either. Exactly. The ace is uh, one of the lowest, one of the weakest cards in the deck, points total-wise. If you hold the ace with four, all four tens, <laughs> then you could, but that's not going to happen very often. So a few things here, and I, in this game, since there's no qualifier, there's so it's a two-sided game, but with no qualifier, there's always going to be two winners. It's not going to be, you know, a, somebody's not going to scoop with just one side of the uh, one side of the game. That's right. Any, any scoop would need to be uh, a hand that takes both sides of the pot. And then the 10 high flush is a typical example of what, what kind of hand can be uh, can be can be likely to scoop? Yeah, so that that's a difference. I know there are a couple of other games, you know, like that as well. But, but a lot of times, mixed game players are used to qualifiers, 
in hands. And uh, so this is to keep yeah. in mind, there is no qualifier. So you really need to, in order to scoop, right? And the, the goal in mix is to scoop. So in this game to scoop, yeah. you got to be really trying for both sides. Whereas in a split pot game with a qualifier, sometimes you might play with only one side um, because there's might be a low chance of, uh, of the other side actually qualifying to split the pot. Yeah, precisely. It's uh, yeah, that, that you need to go for both sides to, to win the, to scoop the pot. Yeah. Um, yeah, ten high flushes, as I said, is, is a good example of something that might scoop the pot. But also, quite often when you hold good points totals, you have a, a nice wrap. You know, you got a ten, nine, eight, maybe another ten or another eight or something. But um, sometimes the, the, the straights can help you scoop as well. Also, I mean, Broadway cards are bad, right? So usually when we're playing Omaha, PLO, or fixed limit Omaha, we're looking for Broadway cards in our hand and. In this, I mean, yeah. they're actually a detriment um, exactly. to the counting side. This is why I, I, I like this game. It's one of those games where um, mixed games players uh, are tested. You know, how, how can they, how well can they switch from one type of game to another? They've got to really have the right mindset to identify, calibrate the strength of their hands, basically, identify which cards are the gin cards and which cards are the, are the trash. Yeah, and like you mentioned, an ace isn't necessarily a good card. And in a lot of games, right, it's the high card. And, you know, in something like stud eight, it's good on both sides. Um, and then, I mean, the, the game we're probably most familiar with, like deuce to seven, we know it's bad. But that's that's kind of easy um, because it's a very different yeah. game. But this, because of the Omaha part of it, <laughs> it, it just, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that could definitely mess with your, uh, with your brain. I, I do like that. I remember that brings up. Um, when you and I met uh, at Robbie's Mixed Game Festival, I remember one of these counting games came up and I was just, I was floored. I had never played one of these <laughs> and uh, I, I was, I was really lost for, for a few hands there. <laughs> so I figured out uh, <laughs> at least what the heck I was doing. Then you figured out with the game and then the game changed, I guess. Yes. Yeah. But right, by the time you, you, you get the gist of it, yeah, it's on to the next game and you're like, but wait, I'm still on that game, <laughs> which is what makes it very, very interesting and, and wonderful and keep, keeps our brain uh, active. I like that. Um, so one other question uh, maybe you can help answer for listeners and for me as well. What is there a sort of minimum number of pips that you might start with um, for that side? Uh, before you you know decide to fold your hand, yeah, I know you mentioned thirty-seven or thirty-eight is going to win. But what would you might what might you start with in your um, hand, or or just fold if it's not really going to? You don't think it's going to get there? If there's a six or seven-handed game going on, I'm going to look to draw one card if possible. And if you think about like 30, that, thirty, thirty-five, or something. Well, well maybe twenty-seven is capable of reaching thirty-seven by drawing a ten. Okay. But um, even twenty-seven, the, the lower end of those 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 uh, amounts, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, I would uh, toss those away if there's a lot of action, pre-flop that is, and pre-draw. But if uh, you know if if it's not looking like anybody's particularly strong, then I'd be happy to play those cards. Um, might even put a raise in if. Uh, if, if a lot of people have already passed up the opportunity to do so themselves. 
There's a clean-up equity, you know. It, it prevents a third person drawing in, in, in the pot and, and they might draw two tens and a nine if they draw three cards. It doesn't happen very often, but it's good to protect yourself from that. It keeps your equity in, in, in the pot higher than it would have been otherwise. But yeah, if you can uh, draw to... Even in, in, in a busy pot, if you can draw to 30 or 31... Draw one card to those amounts is, I think, is probably a good idea. Bear in mind, then you don't need to have a ten or a nine to keep the card that you're offered. You could be offered a six, you know, or a seven, perhaps, and and feel happy about taking that. Especially if you're seeing other people's draws and they're drawing more than one card, or have rejected cards they've been offered. If you're in position. So basically kind of what you mentioned earlier in the, in the strategy tips and you're really looking to score that 37 or above is what you're trying to. So for your first cards, your first draw, your, or whether you're going to fold, you're looking, can I get to that 37 or 38? Um, if I hit yeah. some good cards on the draw. I wouldn't be um, throwing 36 or 35 away too quickly. If there's not too much action or if the action is coming from someone who, very clearly is is, uh, is is favoring the Omaha hand in the pot, uh, but but yeah, it, it's a it's a less comfortable continuation when you have thirty five or thirty six points. It starts to be much more uh, much easier to do when when you have thirty seven or better. Yeah, just to quickly summarize before we move on here, so there's always going to be two sides winning in this game. Uh, Broadway cards are bad. Uh, tens, nines uh, of those middling cards actually can be can be really good. We're looking for you know a, a thirty seven or thirty eight you know in, in that ballpark you know thirty four plus um, to stay in the hand. Mm. And uh, aces are bad too. <laughs> so just some things to yes, kind of yes. keep in mind for for those of us who are used to some of these other games. Indeed fascinating yeah when you have to to count I, I i like i said when i was at that at the mixed game festival and it was the counting it just it really threw me for a loop that i had to worry about you know the 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 number of pips in my hand actually yes it's just occurring to me that our next episode will be on a game where counting's in, involved again so so you'll be uh you need to really pay attention on that one that's counting both sides both High points and low points when we when we talk about Archie two point that's an early teaser of uh, our next episode. Good, yeah. So so listen to this one. Get familiar with this counting one side, and uh, <laughs> so you're ready to go for the uh, follow up episode forty for Archie two point oh. All right. Indeed. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, some wonderful game there, and some. I think we we got some great tips for our players to uh, get started playing in this game. So let's move over to some mixed game news. I have today, I'm going to talk a little bit about mixed game streams. Uh, we, we've sort of mentioned, alluded to this on a few podcasts. You know, it, it, it's, it was that last episode or two where we talked about the World Series. We had expected and hoped that this year, 2023's WSOP was going to stream more mixed games. But both Martin and I were kind of disappointed at the mixed coverage. So I'm going to talk a little bit about it here. Poker Go 
recently wrapped up a mixed game uh, series. And unfortunately, they didn't broadcast any of those. I did tease on the last episode that they're making some upgrades and they hope to be able to uh, stream mixed games moving forward. Right now, they have their Poker Go PLO series, and they are streaming that. And if you watch that, they have a new addition to their studio in Las Vegas, which is out in front of the Aria Casino on the Strip. And they have a new addition, and you'll see they're broadcasting um, the PLO table, final table, I believe, from, from that new room. So, And the word on the street, so to speak, is that they will be able to broadcast more mixed games moving forward because of this new studio and uh, sort of an, an improved mixed game uh, RFID table. And sort of so looking forward to that, hopefully seeing some more mixed game streams. So I started with Poker Go. That's not really living up to our expectations and WSOP as well. And I'm going to change to a mixed game stream that actually I was very pleased to see recently and that is from that came from champions club texas so there are two i believe two champions clubs in texas one in houston and dallas this one was streamed from champions club texas houston so if you look up champions club texas high stakes mixed game um, on youtube and it streamed on october 21st you should be able to find that on YouTube. It was a five-hour stream, um, and it was just, I was so happy to be able to see a mixed game stream. Um, I'll talk a little bit about this. Like I said, it's five hours, so there's a bit of coverage. It it was more like a, almost like a, a home game. I'm trying to think. It was, I believe it was 20, I'm trying to think of the, I think it was 5,100 maybe they were playing. I'm, don't quote me. It was 2550 or 51 that they were playing. So it was, you know, they called it high stakes, and it was uh, probably mid stakes depending on on where you sit. But it played a lot like a home game. I was watching the stream, and I'm like, put me in. I'm ready. <laughs> Somebody stake me. <laughs> but there was – so one example, the dealer – there was a couple of dealers switching on and off a new dealer came in and made a slight mistake. He actually wasn't sure what to do in this situation. And instead of, and Martin and I have talked about, you know, congratulating dealers, giving them props, trying to sort of build them up. So we get more poker dealers and especially more mixed game dealers um, because we need more and not denigrating them and, and, you know, basically scaring them away. And that's what was done here on this stream. This dealer wasn't quite sure what to do. It was uh, a draw game. It might've been Bedusi or Badesi, but they came in and there weren't enough cards to go around for the next draw. And the dealer wasn't exactly sure what to do in the situation. And the players simply explained to the dealer what to do. And they moved on. There was nothing happened beyond that. They said, here's what you do. If you have any questions, we'll be happy to help you. And it was that simple, case closed. You know, it wasn't a big, there's no big Twitter stream going on about this, et cetera. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was very nice to see them just calmly explain and be willing to sort of help moving forward. So I, I thought that was, um, I thought that was wonderful. One of the commentators mentioned one of his favorite games, I believe he said was Dramaha. And it sounds like, 
They currently don't have the means to stream it because of the card reader, but it sounded like moving forward, they will be able to stream that game um, in the future, which I thought was quite interesting. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, it's a different variant. You don't see it a lot. I mean, I don't know that you ever really see it sort of, you know, be able to watch it, um, let alone play it, especially here in the U.S. So to be able to watch that being to be able to see that on a stream would be um, a lot of information for certainly for me and, and us folks here in the United States. Yeah, it was wonderful to see a mixed game broadcast. Um, keep in mind, there is some commentary on this uh, Champions Club high stakes mixed game uh, found on YouTube, but it's not a strategic analysis of each hand street by street. It was more of a congenial atmosphere, players enjoying themselves, almost like a home game. And it might be a little higher than a lot of folks play at home, but it was like if you up the stakes at home, it was it was it felt like that. Um, there were a lot of bottles of wine flowing. And while I'm not prejudiced, I like wine, beer, and spirits. One of the players, so lots of bottles of wine, like I said, that they were sharing. But one of the players, um, I believe his sort of name was Big Sky. He ordered a beer. He takes a sip and announces, wow, this is so good. And just given that Mark, <laughs> uh, Martin and I review a beer on this, on each of these episodes, it really, it really hit home with me that, I mean, you could just see his face just like wow this is just tasting so wonderful and it was it was for it was doubled almost like a double down because half the table was sort of drinking glass after glass after glass of wine but it just if you get about two and a half or, or three hours into the stream the the <laughs> the wine the abv on the wine has definitely kicked in and they're they're gambling <laughs> there's a lot of gambling by the time they get to the badusi and and badesi rounds and martin mentioned um in the game we're discussing today uh draw maha 49 to keep it to like a i think you mentioned like one to two card draw max right martin for for this game that we talked about um no, actually, in this game that we talked about, we can draw any number of cards. Sometimes, depending on how many players are at the table, the local rule might be to limit the number of cards. But yeah, the, but the, I mean, the strategically, specific... the best. Oh, strategically, have... sorry, sorry. Strategic. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Strategically, it's better to um, already be nearly there with your points total. Yes, you're right, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't very clear. It must be the beer I'm drinking. I, I'll try to clarify my question. No, I think it more. might be the beer I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have the eight percenter today. You're you're hitting us right. hard. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but what what happened sort of in this Badusi Badesi round? I, I can't remember which game it was, and it it just carried through. I think beyond that, but um, there was a player. I think he drew. <laughs> four cards and he, oh, wow. he he gave the excuse right yeah he was on the straddle it was like a i don't know a double straddle he's like i was priced in because of the straddle and i thought <laughs> your hand is awful <laughs> Uh, I've got a friend who sometimes does that and he can anything he says and what, what he says is uh he quotes how much it is per card so let's say he's paid 20 euros to draw four cards and say I've only paid five euros a card. You paid 20 euros for your card. <laughs> I like that. That can get dangerous. Yeah. Uh, sure. So, yeah. So 
yeah, it was a fun, fun stream to watch. And I, I was very happy to see um, mixed games being streamed. And I hope they they continue with that. So check that out from Champions Club, Texas and Houston, the high stakes mixed game on YouTube. Uh, what do you have for us? Uh, any news uh, on the European side, Martin? Um, not much. Uh, one really interesting item of news is uh, a, a schedule for a festival that has been announced that will run from the 11th of March to the 15th in Bratislava at Card Casino. Um, this is the Norwegian Masters, and they're starting their bigger festival with a festival within the festival, which is just a mixed games festival. Uh, so those first five days, there are plenty of mixed games on the schedule. And I mean, I'll cover more detail in the next episode, um, but it looks like there are going to be, there's going to be a dealer's choice event. There's going to be a mystery bounty, a mixed games mystery bounty event, a main event and a high roller event. So uh, that was like a good, uh, a good festival for mixed games players in Europe. Eight different mixed games on their schedule. As I say, I'll I'll cover that in more detail in the next episode of this podcast, and I'll put it under the uh, upcoming events section of the podcast. Yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to hearing uh, more about that one. Yeah, so let's get into some of the mixed game events. Um, if you're ready to move on there, Martin. Yes, go ahead. All right. So some mixed cash games uh, that I usually mention each episode. Mohegan Sun, Connecticut has an 816-08 uh, stud eight cash game. Foxwoods in Connecticut has a bunch of different limits of seven-card stud, and they do have a seven-card stud bad beat jackpot. It's a very busy, it's actually a busy room in general for poker and uh, quite a few stud tables. Borgata in Atlantic City does have some seven card stud. Unfortunately, the low limit game seems to be dying out. Um, and more regularly, there's a, a 20, 40, seven card stud game that usually uh, plays, I think, back in the uh, high limit area of the casino, the high limit part of the poker room. Uh, then moving out to Las Vegas, there's a 4-8 and an 8-16 mix at Resorts World that runs uh, fairly regularly. And South Point Casino in Las Vegas has some low stakes mixed cash games. Uh, they have a lot of 0-8 at like 4-8 limits, uh, an 8-16 seven card stud. And I think they regularly have uh, mixed tournaments um, on different days of the week, different tournaments. I see a lot of their 08 stud eight mix rotation, but I think they, they run some, some others. Them and the Orleans as well in Las Vegas, uh, mix it up with tournaments, different days of the week, different mixed tournaments, which I think is, is wonderful. And they're usually in the, I think like the hundred, $150 buy-in. So I, I think that's reasonable, um, to sort of dip your toes in if you're interested in mixed game tournaments. And the Orleans also has some uh, 4-8 limit 08 uh, cash games that run. A few new ones that I uh, haven't mentioned before. The win also runs some mixed cash games in Vegas. But Talking Stick, I haven't brought that up before, in Arizona has some mixed games that was brought to my attention. 
I was also, and now I'm coming back across the country, and I'm not sure what's there at Talking Stick. And a lot of times you might see on the list, it just says mix. And uh, I haven't had a chance to get a hold of the casino. I'll try to do that for an upcoming episode and see what their mix game uh, actually consists of. I couldn't, somebody uh, had a post about it and I, I couldn't go back and find it to see what it was, but something in sort of the, you know, different part of the country. And then I also saw a mix that happens in Maryland, but I, I, I can't find it. Somebody said there's a cash game mix at either MGM Harbor or Maryland Live, and I don't I don't see any mixed game uh, listed. So I'll, I'll try to get some more information for a future episode about that, but some possibilities to look at besides the usual mixed cash games. And again, it just plays to what Martin and I keep saying uh, on these episodes, and that's, you know, mixed games are just, they're, they're getting bigger, and we're, we're seeing more tournaments and uh, more cash games popping up in poker rooms around the countries, uh, which is great. As far as tournaments, mixed game tournaments, I do want to mention Robbie Straczynski's Mixed Game Festival coming up in Las Vegas at Resorts World from November 26th to the 30th. So um, you'll hear Martin and I make uh, comments back and forth about Robbie's Mixed Game Festival, and that's where Martin and I actually met, and I did meet Robbie there as well when I played. But that's, I mean, I played Mixed Games a couple of years before there, but Never like the mixed game festival at Robbie's um, at Robbie's event where uh, it's just <laughs> mixed games that, you know, I know for those of us in the U.S., you don't really get to play ever. Like I said, I was introduced to a lot of a lot of new games and uh, I lost some money, but it was, you know, a couple hundred dollars. And when you're in Vegas, that's not really that much money. And uh, but it was it was a blast um, just learning new games and uh, just sitting at those mixed game tables where everybody's just having an enjoyable time, you know, having a drink or two. And it's, it's more about the fun and everybody was willing to teach new players about the big game, the new game. So Robbie has that November 26th to the 30th. Um, and I think this is new. He's as in addition to the, and the mixed games are usually four, eight limit and eight sixteen. but I believe he's going to have mm -hmm. two tournaments, um, which I don't think he's, I don't know that he's ever done that before, but he's going to have an 08 study mix which is becoming big and i believe he's also going to have a 260 dollars buy-in horse tournament um on november 30th as a grand finale so that's some stuff to look forward to and i would say if you can make it there um go see robbie especially with what's uh like a, you know i don't want to really talk about what's going on but uh you know there's the war in the middle east and israel and um if you could go see Robbie and support his mixed game festival at the resorts world in Las Vegas from the 26th to 30th and uh, wish him the best. I think uh, that would mean a lot to him and uh, what he's trying to trying to keep going while he has tor turmoil at his home with his family in Israel. Um, one or two other things quick here. I want to mention some new stuff coming up. Caesars Las Vegas is also having a tournament. Let me just pull up their schedule. So November 4th through the 11th, uh, Caesars Palace Las Vegas Mixed Game Poker Series. Again, we're just seeing more and more of this stuff. They have an 08 or better, a horse tournament, PLO 8 or better, a horse championship, an 08 stud 8 rotation, a an 8 game mix, big O, 
and Deuce to Seven Triple Draw. So that's eight events between November 4th and November 11th. And it looks like all of those, each of those buy-ins is $500. So um, I don't know, that just sounds phenomenal to me. And had I known about that sooner, I probably, I recently went to, uh, if you listen to the podcast um, over the past couple of weeks, I went to the Moneymaker Tour, which has some mixed games on their tour. I was in Ohio couple of weeks ago and i'm actually going to the last thing i'll bring up here and that's the moneymaker tour palm beach kennel club at west palm beach florida so i am going to that actually the day that we release this episode i will be there playing in the horse tournament so that's at the palm beach kennel club in palm beach florida there are some they they have some lower and higher buy-in so they have some 300 dollars buy-in mixed games a horse plo big o and then the following week they have the 500 dollars buy-in events and that's when i'll be there for the 500 dollars buy-in horse and i think it's wonderful that they're running these mixed games and where what i was getting with that is that um since now i've been to cincinnati and i'm going to palm beach i don't think i'm going to make it to the uh, caesar's palace las vegas mixed game series but uh, something to keep in mind as we move forward. Um, if they keep that going next year, I would certainly um, choose that one probably, but uh, just kind of the, the money with the trips, it gets a little pricey. So if I bink something though here at the Moneymaker Poker Tour, I might also head out to Vegas to check out the uh, Caesars Palace. So that's what's going on in the U.S. Uh, for mixed game events. What do you have coming up for us in Europe, Martin? Wow, you got plenty going on over there. Um, excuse me. There's just one festival that I'm really looking forward to, uh, which is a mixed games festival in Europe before the end of this year, and that's the Festival Series Bratislava. Um, there's the 550 euro buying mixed games main event called Horses, which is horse with the addition of Sweet and Special as a fixed limit game. Um, the order of the games is going to be different to the standard horse event so that it's going to be flop game, stud game, flop game, stud game, flop game, stud game. Um, there's also uh, there's a sweet and special pot limit tournament. There's an eight game tournament. Those are both 250 euro buy-in. There's a 125 euro buy-in horse tournament. 250 euro buying open face Chinese tournament. I think I will play all of the above. <laughs> There's also 125 euro buying round of each PLO and PLO high low eight to better tournament. Uh, and a 1,100 euro buying open face Chinese high roller. So I'm looking forward to spending a week in Bratislava at the end of November, beginning of December time. There are, there are some more events that I'm becoming aware of in the in the in 2024, as I've already mentioned, the Norwegian Champion Masters Championship, which I'll be able to give more details about on the next podcast. Uh, there's also a possibility of event an event in Sofia in Bulgaria at the end of February, but that's only that that can't be confirmed yet. So uh, we'll we'll hopefully hopefully be able to announce something later on. And then also next year's 
the festival series schedules. We don't know anything about that yet. So hopefully lots to look forward to. But as I say, in the US there, you've got a lot going on. I'm quite jealous. Yeah, and last episode, I think I said I was jealous of you. Yeah, we're certainly <laughs> seeing seeing more and more, but I, I'm still interested in coming over to the European side. Um, if I can get the scratch together here, uh, maybe next year, we'll see if I can swing that. But yeah, I do like this six-game mix that you mentioned, the horses. I, I hope we see some more of these. I love horse by the way, the five game mix, but I, I would prefer, and I love eight game. It's one of my favorite mixes, eight, nine, 10. Um, and if you listen, I, I recently played a, a 12 game a few episodes ago on SWC poker, but I kind of like maybe the six game mix. And, you know, I, I do like when triple draw, deuce to seven, triple draw is in the mix. So I, I hope we see more, you know, sort of more of these six, seven game mixes or some different, you know, eight, nine game mixes with some, uh, non-traditional sort of games in them. I mean, the one with Fit and Special is yeah. is interesting, um, and especially since they're alter the way they're alternating the uh, the games, Martin. I think that's that's fabulous. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and I don't think one last comment. I don't know that I've ever seen an open face Chinese pineapple tournament. That's seems different from from you know from my experience and perspective. Yeah. The, the person who owns the festival series, Franke, is Swedish, but he lives in Tallinn. And as I understand it, that is a weekly tournament in uh, the Olympic Casino in Tallinn. So, you know, it, it's, it, that sounds quite interesting. I, I have played a couple of open-faced Chinese tournaments in previous uh, episodes of the festival series. Haven't cashed in one yet, but... <laughs> I've got to have faith that I've got the ability to do so, but uh, this variant is particularly brutal when the blinds, when the levels go go up. You, you can start to build a stack in the early levels that can be very easily wiped out by just a little bit of run bad um, once the blinds, once the points, the, the, the chips per point starts to reach an even slightly higher amount. Uh, that's what I've found in those. So it's good to play good, but you definitely need to run good in those as well. You get bad hands, you can't just fold and wait for good hands. You have to do something with everything you're given. And, you know, sometimes you just can't avoid it. The other person's hitting a monster and you're, you're fouling or you're hitting zero royalty points or whatever. It, it's 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 really um, out of your control, in, 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 I think, more than it is in other tournaments where you can fold your weaker hands. But enjoyable, nevertheless. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting... We, I was just, we have two episodes, I think, where we talked about open-faced Chinese. Uh, episode 25, we talked about pineapple open-faced Chinese poker. And then in episode 33, we talked about uh, pineapple deuce to seven open-faced Chinese poker. <laughs> Long names. I get into recent mixed game play here. I don't have a lot to report, but on the open face Chinese um, front, which I haven't ever played, honestly, but when I log into SWC once in a while, there's not a lot of people on. I do, and I know Martin likes this game, so I look and see if Martin happens to be sitting um, and I watch him, but uh, but I'll go and I'll just kind of watch whoever might be at the table playing uh, open face Chinese it's just there's a lot to that game, and it's not one I'm 
familiar with. So I'll sometimes just spend time sitting watching them. The very, there's a very micro level you could you could dip your toes in at some point and risk basically the price of not even a cup of coffee uh, if you wanted to try it out. The, the, the zero point two five per point per chip, uh, the chips per point level is is, is tiny tiny stakes. Uh, yeah, and I think I do. There is one individual. I'm not sure his name, but he, um, his username, but he or she, but they they do sit. There is a small somebody who sits in a very small game. They might sit with like 25 chips or something like that, just kind of waiting. And yeah, one of these times, I'll just have to, I'll just have to give it a go. And no, I'm throwing the money away, but it'll be it'll be a fun and exciting. <laughs> yeah, and and it's good that there's. I appreciate that there are low stakes for um for anybody willing to jump in and learn to, to do that because you, you don't find a lot of these low stakes mixed games. And that's why we try to try to let all of our listeners know when we know about low stakes mixed games that run. So I, like I said, I haven't played a lot, uh, a little bit on SWC, um, nothing much live, although I will be playing, like I said, at uh, the Moneymaker Poker Tour in the horse tournament. I did get to the local casino and play some four, eight limit, um, which I know isn't really the uh, focus of our podcast here, except that we do find limit and no limit hold'em in a lot of the mixes. Once you get to the eight game and up, um, you do find, uh, and in horse you have limit hold'em, and the eight game and up um, you have limit hold'em and no limit hold'em as well as um, PLO. So it's good to stay on your toes with those. And uh, I do feel like playing limit hold'em does help me in the other games. And if you um, I know Martin and I both have our book information at the end of each of these podcasts, but I have some pages dedicated to both sides. Where if you play Hold'em um, and move over to Mixed Games, if you play Mixed Games and play Hold'em, it, it all sort of plays into your how you look at these games. And it's good to play different games to obtain different strategies and you can take certain strategies from one game to the next to the next. And so I do find it beneficial when I sit in no limit or limit hold'em games. I do find it beneficial to some of my mixed game play. So I'll wrap that up. What do you have up for us for your recent mixed game play, Martin? Oh, I've gone quite a frustrating last couple of months, really. As far as life plays. Oh, I'm concerned. so sorry to hear that, Martin. Oh, I mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing so well. I thought I'd have to throw that in. But yeah, there's been uh, there've been two festivals running one after the other in Malta recently, and uh, they were Battle of Malta and the Festival Series. It's not the Festival Series. No, that's, that was earlier the year. Uh, sorry, the Battle of Malta and the Malta Poker Festival. And before that, there was a the Party Poker Millions. There have been a few mixed games events offered. At, each of those. I've, in total, I've played three tournaments, two sweet and special tournaments and one horse tournament. I busted in the horse in ninth and there were seven people being paid. The sweet and special tournaments, one of them busted really early with a, a real cooler stroke bad beat hand. And then the other one, again, I busted ninth. I think they're paying five players. So it's been very frustrating. And that, that was... The one where I busted ninth and they were paying five players was a bad beat. The uh, the horse tournament where I busted ninth and they were paying seven, I was short stacked and busted out in a hand and stood high low, where I was the only person with a low draw and bricked out uh, in, in a three-way pot. So I actually could have scooped the pot if I'd have uh, 
drawn the right low card um, to beat the aces up that somebody else had uh, that, won't, that actually ended up scooping the pot. So it's been really frustrating live play as well as online play, actually. I've had a really barren run in online tournaments. Uh, cash games have been doing okay, but I was always, before this year, I was always much more of a cash game player. I'm remembering why now. But this year, I've done so well in tournaments that the balance has swung over that way a lot more. And I think I'm probably really need to earnestly look at drawing back and uh, playing a lot more cash in less tournaments, just for the sake of my bankroll, really. I pre- Yeah, I prefer cash games as well, but I have such a hard time here in the States, especially on the East Coast, finding mixed cash games that are in my bankroll range and so i've been you know traveling around now a little bit playing in this money maker tour um and that's tournaments and unfortunately no mixed game cash ha- side events have broke out but uh yeah i do prefer cash games as well but i'm just you know i'm willing to go where there's wherever i can find something and that's been sort of tournament sounds like you were close though you're just sort of slipping a little bit so Indeed. Uh, maybe you can get back there on top of things before I go on, shout out to Alan Aryut from Estonia who busted me in the horse tournament uh, and told me that he listens to this podcast regularly and really enjoys it. So, well, uh, well done, Alan, and I hope you uh, went on to win. I don't, I don't, I haven't seen the result of that tournament yet. Yeah, congratulations, and uh, that's good. So, that, so you know, hopefully he gets something out of this, at least the enjoyment of it, and. Uh, Maybe that's why he's doing so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to keep some of my secrets to myself. <laughs> yes. Yes. One last thing, Martin. I don't know. Do you want to mention now that I'm thinking about my recent, my upcoming play that I'll be able to discuss in a future episode? I saw the SWC Bitcoin of Poker, I think, championship or something has some um, oh, some mixed yes. game Who's, events coming up. Yeah, I thought that's going to be on my docket as well. I'm going to hit a couple of those. Uh, I don't know if you have any information on that you can uh, mention here quick. There are several mixed games events and there are, there are some low buy-in events like 500 chips, which is now that Bitcoins have picked up a bit, it's about 16 euros, uh, probably... $17, up to a big buy-in high roller event, which is 25,000 chips, which is uh, quite a bit. <laughs> it's probably about, probably approaching 800 euros now, I think, to buy into that one. Um, but there's, it's, it's a festival, it's, it's, sorry, it's a series that starts on the 3rd of November and lasts for, I think, around two weeks. And as I say, it features a good number of mixed games events. Good number of events would be very interesting to a lot of people that follow this podcast. Listen out for my Substack contact details later in this podcast. Uh, if you wish to get involved, you can contact me through that. And there's information on some of my Substack articles about uh, getting involved in SWC poker and what uh, additional value I can offer to new players that sign up through my affiliate link. But yes, that that, that looks a very tasty uh, mixed games tournament schedule. I'm looking forward to some of those myself. If you want to learn more about mixed games, Martin and I have each written a book. Head over to Amazon for my book, 
Poker, All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 mixed poker games, as well as other chapters on why mixed games provide a better edge than hold'em, and other things like health and wellness, um, which are important not only in life, but also in playing this game of poker. Martin, why don't you tell us about your ebook? Yeah, my ebook is called Pop Limits Vitan Special. It's also available on Amazon. It's about one specific game. It's a European version of Dromaha. Uh, it takes you right through from the very basic how to deal and play the game, what the rules are, through the starting hands, every different type of starting hand, all the odds for completing your hands, both the draw hand and the Omaha hand. It takes you through the pre-flop, flop, draw, turn and river stages. It also gives you a quiz section near the end, which can uh, question you your uh, awareness of how well you've learned how to play the different betting rounds and how to decide which cards to draw. And then there's a, there's a section at the very end which goes through a few other variations of Svit and Special or Dromaha that I had played at, at that point when I'd written the book. And I'm also working on the hard copy. No ETA on that at the moment, but uh, that is in a work in progress. You can follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R all the games it's poker at poker all the games but there's no e in poker because it's too many letters for twitter or subs and or subscribe at pokerchannel.substack.com and when you see our um on twitter we post these uh episodes and or if you go to uh, substack and subscribe there uh hit the like button for us send a subscribe um to pokerchannel.substack.com and you can also follow martin at go ahead martin okay my handle is on both twitter and substack is poker for leisure or poker for leisure p-o-k-e-r the number four l-e-i-s-u-r-e so on twitter it's poker for at poker for leisure and on substack it's poker for leisure.substack.com well, that's all for episode 39, Dramaha 49, also known as Zvitten Special 49. Join us again in three weeks for episode 40, where we will discuss Archie 2.0. Thank you for listening to Poker All the Games. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. <laughs>